Hey guys, this is Cameron Rhodes with the Guided Trip Fly Fishing Podcast. Wanted to thank everybody for tuning in to this episode. In this episode, I discuss fishing on the San Juan River and discuss my day that I had on the San Juan River. I had got done fishing, had a couple beers and was hanging out in my truck at the camping spot. And so you'll have to bear with me just a tad. I tend to ramble towards the end, but definitely want to thank everybody. Um, I had a good time with this episode and enjoyed fishing out there. You can find me at Cameron.Rhodes on Instagram, at The Guided Trip on Instagram, or you can email us, theguidedtrip at gmail.com, and let us know what you think of the podcast. Thank you. Enjoy. All right, so this is a um, solo trip on the San Juan River in New Mexico. Um, this is one I've been wanting to do for quite some time. Um, I make it out here every now and then. Um, but I kind of grew up on this river not knowing it. Uh, I used to float this river a lot, you know, put in it the dam or I guess Texas hole and then float down. And I used to do this float a lot growing up as a kid. Um, and my dad used to come out here quite often and fish this river he worked in Farmington for a fair amount of time um and so he was you know I just talked to him today and he was saying he's come out here maybe three or four nights a week and come fish the San Juan or evenings I guess but um so I came out here um drove from Gunnison it's about four and a half hours or so depending but beautiful drive um but you know that this fishery can fish well 10 months out of the year it's pretty damn good um it is a tailwater fishery so that helps you know water temperature all kinds of stuff you know um it can hold fish and can hold bugs for a long period of time and you know obviously with any fishery it can go through its fair share of problems but you know I came out here um, I did a little bit of research I've read the reports and honestly the reason I came out here is because uh, said the betas action has been great um, you know, in my mind lately, I've been on a one-track mind for fishing the eat. You know, I want to see the eat. It's not necessarily how many fish I hook. Um, it's more of seeing that eat. And so I want to come out and fish some dry flies um, and, you know, hone my dry fly game up a little bit and get better at it, especially on a big tailwater like this where these fish have seen 
tons of different flies for numerous years you know these fish are very educated and you know i've talked on this podcast before about how i'm not very stoked to fish tailwaters but this is a big tailwater this is a lot different than fishing the taylor tailwater right there at the cnr or paco chupac or you know it's not small water it's big water there's it's a giant river out here um but i haven't been out here in a while and so i figured i'd make a little solo trek out here but kind of did my research first you know read the reports and they said the betas action was great in the afternoons and that it was you know the betas action was great in the afternoon um but i'll kind of start from the beginning here you know i read the report i went all right i'm gonna go there now what um so i did some research on camping you know and costs and everything like that you know depending on how many days i was going to be out there and you know i found a little stretch blm on the river that you can camp at where you don't have to pay which is nice for a fishing guide who's not working right now um you don't want to pay as much money so i bought a five-day fishing license um I think it was $36, which isn't much. Um, And then I figured I would go do the free camping. Um, Depending on where you go from there, I mean, each day use area, I think it's five bucks. Um, So you can go park at a day use area and pay five bucks and get in and go walk, um, which is great. but from where I'm at, which is BLM land, I can just walk up river or down river since, I, since I'm accessing through BLM and my truck is parked at BLM, I don't have to pay, um, which is nice, like I said, for somebody who isn't working right now, I don't have to pay. Um, doesn't mean I don't want to pay, um, but it's just the way it is right now i gotta run it cheap um so found this blm unit today um well camped last night drank a couple beers tied some flies made some dinner hung out and uh went to bed and woke up pretty early and started getting my gear together and decided i was gonna walk up there's some braids up from where i'm at i'm parked at what they call Simone Canyon Um, I thought it was Simon but I guess it's Simone Um, and I walked up from there and there's a ton of frog water the whole way up for the most part is frog water but it's not that far of a hike maybe mile or so and it's all flat it's not like you're hiking in giant canyons or anything it's all flat so it's real mellow hiking but you go like a mile, mile and a half up, um, and you start to get out of the frog water. And you start to get into a little bit more riffly, a little bit more current, which I'm used to. I hate fishing frog water. I'm not a fan. I know there's fish in there. I know they eat, but, you know, my theory about it is that 
you know, the slower the water, the longer the time the fish has to look at your fly, and it's going to be a lot harder to catch fish in there. Um, doesn't mean you can't. It just kind of means that, you know, for me, it's not my type of water. I want riffly. I want seams. I want holes. I want shelves. I want all these different types of things that I want to fish. I'm not just going to waste my time on frog water. So I keep moving up and there's tons of beaver activity and you got to kind of got to watch out for all these trenches and beaver holes and all these things and so a lot of time you're walking in the water but you got to keep your head down because there's all these trenches everywhere just beaver trenches heading into the bank or whatever and so there could be you know a three foot drop from six inches of water to a three foot drop so you you're constantly head down just looking at the water trying to make sure you're not going to fall in a hole um, or fall in a trench. But once you kind of get out of the frog water, you move up and there's some flats. I believe what I was fishing today was called Lunker Alley. That's what they call it. Um, I thought I was close to Betis Bend, but I guess not. Um, it's called Lunker Alley. But basically you walk up and then you start to see some more riffly water and some shells and I kind of in the morning I was nymphing and kind of fished this little shelf and hooked a couple um kind of right off the bat hooked a couple but you're fishing so small and barbless and such small tippet that you either break them off or they just pop off. That's just the way it is. Um, and, you know, everyone's kind of learned to live with that where they're like, yeah, oh, that's just the way it is. You know, you break them off or you pop them off because um, they require you fish barbless. But I'm not used to fishing 6 and 7x tippet, and so it's a little bit different. You know, the first couple fish I hooked, I was horsing, you know, like, hey, let's get in here right now. And I wanted to net them and pump a stomach so I could figure out what they're eating and, you know, figure that all out. But I couldn't. It took me a long time to actually net a fish. But what I did was I kind of fished this hole for a minute. I hooked three fish, never landed one, fought them for a minute, popped off. Um, I think I broke one off, but popped off, you know, a couple more, saved my flies, but... I was like, all right, well, I'm here to fish. Let's keep walking up. So I walked up um, and finally got to some water, you know, where I was seeing some rising fish. And that's what I came here for was to find rising fish. Um, I've been wanting to hone my dry fly game a little bit more on some more educated fish and, you know, really learn more about fishing dries and how to fish them better and more efficient especially to educated fish so i sat down and i was kind of rigging up some stuff and these midges were just 
all over my waders. I mean, just everywhere. You know, I started watching the water, and all these fish were rising, and you could see them. I mean, you could see them elevated in the column, and they were coming up and eating midges off the surface. I do not have any midge dries. Like, I just don't. I have in the past, but I just don't now. And so I wasn't quite sure what to do there. And so the closest thing I could get, and I I mean, I could see them actually eating on top. They weren't eating subsurface. They were coming up and eating on top. And so what I did is I actually took a high-vis betis slash mayfly pattern, you know, orange post where I could see it real well, on 5X, then I put 6X fluoro behind it because I know these fish are picky, and I hate fishing fluoro with dry flies, but I figured it might help. So I took the fluoro about two feet maybe, and I looked for the most midgiest non-weighted bug I had in my box, which at the time I only had one of, and it was a CDC black RS2 in a 22. And I took that and obviously debarbed it, tied it on and greased it. And with the CDC, you know, it's pretty easy to grease. You know, you can add a lot of that grease in there. I mean, not a lot. I added maybe, I mean, I mean a tiny amount, the size of a freaking number eight shot shell from a shotgun, you know, BB, real tiny. Greased it up, and you could actually see it floating on top. And I greased maybe the first three inches of the fluorocarbon. And so occasionally you could see that fly sitting on top. But I could definitely see my high-vis mayfly. So I started targeting fish. Instead of just blind casting, I started looking for fish that were close, eating midges on top. So I'd find a fish... And out here, it's like an aquarium. I mean, you can see the fish. They're everywhere. They're tailing. They're nosing. They're they're everywhere. It's not that hard to see them. So I found one. I went, all right, let's see what happens here. And I popped it in there. And immediately, this fish came up and ate the RS2. Fish on. I mean, right off the bat. And I was like, all right, sick. I kept thinking, you know, like, ah, great, this is my only one, this is my only one, and this is the fly that's going to work all day. And I only had one of these little black guys. And, I mean, it's got, like, the the tail fibers that are, like, done tail. It's it's the fly. And so every time I'd hook a fish, I'd cut it and tie it back on and make sure the knot was good. And basically what I started doing was – if fish started rising more and more and I started getting into more riffly water and I'd find a fish and I'd go, all right, that's the one. 
And basically, I'd walk along the bank holding my dry flies in my left hand, holding my rod in my right hand. And I'd walk and I'd go, you know, I'd start hunting where it was like, all right, find a fish you want and then watch them for a minute, watch them eat. And you'd watch a fish eat a couple times. You got the rhythm down, how fast they're eating, how consistently they're eating. And then I put one in and boom, fish on. And I missed a lot of fish, but you couldn't necessarily see the RS2 at all times, but you'd be able to see this high vis uh, mayfly, you know, ahead of it. It would move or go underwater and you'd set the hook. Or you might see a rise behind it and you'd set the hook and then it was a fish on. It was more efficient for me to target fish instead of just blind casting to where you'd think fish were you'd actually be able to i mean these fish have seen lots of people they don't spook they're not going to go disappearing if you go walk up on them i mean i'd walk up on fish and they'd sit there and hang out and you'd walk around them and they'd still sit there and hang out it doesn't mean they're not willing to eat a fly Um, And if you have the right fly with the right presentation, you can definitely trick them into eating it. And I think what worked for me is I was a little bit, you know, I was thinking off the spectrum a little bit of what most people fish. And it was a little bit less invasive, I guess, than trying to throw a big dry fly to, you know, or like a dry dropper. You know, it was more of like, hey, I'm going to grease this really tiny nymph into floating. And they were smoking it for a long period of time. I mean, they were, you'd find a fish and you'd, every time, you know, you'd catch a fish, you'd blow your RS2 out and then re-grease it. And yeah, I didn't dry shake it or anything. I just grease it back up. Um and it would float again and so you just kind of cast out and watch your high vis may and wait for you know once you find a fish and cast to them and kind of learn the program then you cast ahead of them um and i'm fishing upstream so you cast ahead of them let it float down to them and i mean i'd say seven times out of ten they'd eat it and sometimes you'd find a finicky one where they didn't want to eat it but most times they would and it was unbelievable it was so much fun to watch because you could just pick fish off and you could find a fish and go i want that one and find it cast to it you know do your do your education on it figure out its timing how many times it comes up within a minute you know, and figure out, all right, I need to place this cast at this point in time and then put it in and then it would eat. I mean, almost like, I mean, clockwork. It was unreal. And I I was fishing to a big fish. I saw this tail and it came up and I went, oh, that's a big one. That's a big fish. That's a good tail. I mean, this is probably like 11 o'clock. 11:30 in the afternoon or I guess in the morning and it was fishing good and so 
I casted, and I mind you, this is the only fly I got. It's the only one that I found was working. I had just caught a fish, and I didn't retie. And I'm fishing 6X, and I never fish 6X, and I hate it. And I don't want to. I even bought 7X. I've never bought 7X in my entire life. I bought 7X today. So I casted this fish. I see him, or her, I guess. I see him. I'm All right, timing's right. I put it in there. He or she eats. Boom. Breaks off my RS2. It's the only one I have. It's like, and I laugh, and I'm like, oh, geez, I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. So I look back in my box, and all I have are glass bead RS2s or sparkle RS2s. I don't have anything close to this fly. And I throw on some of those, nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm changing flies, nothing, nothing, nothing. And meanwhile, fish are just hammering dries all over the place at least what i think so i start looking around a little bit turns out there's a ton of betas coming off the water now like bwos and i figured my dry was good you know i got a good dry fly for betas but they're obviously they're not eating it they're not eating it and um so i keep changing that back fly into different emergers and I keep greasing them up and I keep doing different things with it and I'd get a hit every now and then you know it wasn't crazy I mean mind you there was fish rising all over the place and I mean I mean just heads coming up tails coming up, all over I mean 30 40 fish to a hole of this happening I'm casting in the middle of them and not even foul hooking one you know, like nothing's happening. Before all this, before I started catching fish and dries, I left my nymph rod on the bank. And I had walked up probably a hundred yards from where my nymph rod was. All these boats are going by and they're going, Oh, there's a freaking rod on the bank. There's a rod on the bank. And I keep yelling, Oh, it's mine, it's mine, you know, and I finally decided, all right, fish aren't eating my dry fly anymore. I'm going to go grab my nymph rod. So I went down, grabbed my nymph rod, ate a sandwich, kind of watched the fish for a little bit, hung out, seen, trying to see what they're eating, you know, because I was in a good spot where I could actually watch bugs and watch fish come up and eat. And I still couldn't quite tell what they're eating. So I grabbed my nymph rod, and it's got a... RS2 and I think a WD-40 on it, which is good for the San Juan because, I mean, Mark Engel um, invented the WD-40 on the San Juan. So I got the WD-40 and RS2 and grabbed my nymph rod. I walked back up to this hole where I saw these rising fish. I mean, great hole. It's got a little back eddy in it, nice seam, good drop-off, good shelf. I mean, it's picture perfect for nymphing. Break out the nymph rod, first cast, boom, fish on. Pops off. Okay? You know, nice brown, pops off. Boom, fish on. All right, sweet. Get him to the net, finally. Break out the stomach bump. 
I had to. I had had to break out the stomach pump. I pumped him, and it was all probably like size 18 to 20 betas. Um, they're actually pretty big, you know, and I was surprised by how big they were, but they're good-sized betas. And these were fish that were coming up and rising. At least you think they're rising. But what was going on is kind of what I figured is they're eating emerging betas. And so you'd, you'd catch a lot of fish on the rise when you're going to recast again. You'd catch a lot of fish on the rise. You didn't necessarily catch too many fish on the swing, but you'd catch fish picking up to go cast again. And so you learned to almost just pick your rod up slow at the end of the drift and then cast because occasionally you'd have a fish on on that rise. So I broke out that nymph rig for a little bit and just start, I mean, immediately it was like boom, boom, and then it would shut down. And so I changed flies, boom, 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 fish on, fish on, fish on, and then it was shut down. So you change flies, boom, boom, it was off. And this happened for about an hour, and then about 2.30 or so, it just shut down. 2.30 p.m., obviously, not in the a.m., I'm not fishing 2.30 a.m., but it just shut off again. So about 2.30, I kind of fished it hard and changed a bunch of bugs and kept fishing. And I went, screw it. I'm done. I've caught a, caught a fair amount of fish. I've had a good time. I feel like I've learned a lot about this situation. And I'll go to town. I'll go check out the fly shop and grab a couple flies and, you know, for what I want to fish in the morning. So I got to the truck, and this guy was rigging up. I asked him where he was going, because I had just hiked a mile and a half upstream. I asked him where he was going, and he goes, Oh, I'm going straight out right from here. Oh, right from where I'm camping. This guy said he hooked the biggest fish he's ever hooked in his life, straight out from where I'm camping. (laughs) So it turns out I didn't need to go that far. And I've talked to multiple people now, and they go, why didn't you just fish right where you're camping? Why did you hike that far up? I don't know. You know, I needed a, I needed a hike in the morning, so tomorrow will be a little bit different. I'm going to go hike in the morning, go hike up, go fish some dries, and then come down and fish in the afternoon, and then probably head back towards Gunnison. Um, but... Oh, excuse me. It's only 7.40 at night and I'm yawning. Um, this is a... This is a nostalgic fishing trip for me. I'm doing it solo, but... I used to come fish the San Juan River a lot when I was a kid and float the San, Ra- San Juan River. And that's really when I got really in to fly fishing was on the San Juan River. I got my first pair of waders here on the San Juan near Navajo Dam. There's only a couple fly shops here and a motel. 
And so this, you know, my dad used to come here. He used to bring us here. And so this is kind of a, it's kind of a nostalgic trip for me, you know, trying to live up to some of these shoes, you know, or fill these shoes, I guess, and just camp and hang out and fish here. And I've already learned a ton today. I mean, I learned a lot. You know, I've also learned that they eat the same shit they eat anywhere else. It's just a matter of how you fish them, and it's just a matter of timing. You know, it's not necessarily that you're doing it wrong. It's just a matter of timing. I mean, I had a good window today from, like, 10.30 to 2.30. That's a good half-day trip. I mean, four hours. Good window where I caught fish for a while, and then it was done. You know, it was interesting doing it on your own, not have somebody else fishing around you, figuring it out for you as well, or living through your clients, having them fish for you and figure it out. It seems like, you know, from my experience right now, it is a tough fishery for sure. They're very picky. Obviously, they want 6 and 7X. Um, and I was told by one of the fly shop guys you know he wasn't bsing he goes if you want to throw drives you got to throw a six and seven x and that's not something i do but i bought seven x just to try just to see if it makes a difference i got a ton ton of hits on six x i'm curious to see what the seven x does because it's an interesting theory, you know, you go in smaller diameter and smaller line and I mean, is it really that big of a deal or is it just a bug deal? I always like to believe it's a bug deal. Here it could be a line deal. I see tons of people, tons of bugs. And you know, I was honestly a little bit surprised by how many fish I caught. I knew I could figure them out and catch a couple. Um I mean, just being a fishy guy, you know, you roll into a place and, like, you know you can catch fish. And I had hooked some fish, and I was like, all right, you know, I, I'm getting it figured out, I guess. But I didn't realize, you know, like, I mean, it's tough. It is. But it's just like any other fishery. They eat the same shit, and you can throw the same thing. For most of the day, I threw a pheasant tail. You know, and I caught fish on a pheasant tail when I was nymphing. I caught tons of fish on the pheasant tail. It was great. You know, nothing huge, but good, worthy fish on the pheasant tail. And, I mean, the pheasant tail is amazing. It catches tons of fish. But I also threw flies that these fish probably haven't seen because they come from a different area. Or my flies come from a different area, you know, come from Colorado. Everyone has different fly selection and different, um, every fly shop has different fly selection. And, you know, we throw different things here and there. And so I was throwing flies that these fish maybe hadn't seen. And I definitely attribute some of that or some of the fish I caught to that that I was throwing things from a different area that were very similar in size and color, but flies that they'd never seen before. And that helps. But I did have a moment today where I lost 
a lot of faith in one of my go-to flies, dry flies. And I've never said it on the podcast, and I still won't. But I maybe had two eats on this dry fly, and I thought for sure they were just going to smoke it. It turns out they weren't actually eating the dry flies. They are eating emerging bugs. So I was seeing noses come up, and I was seeing tails, and I was seeing fish rise. But they are eating bugs on the rise. They weren't necessarily eating them as dry flies. They are eating bugs on the rise, emerging bugs. And that was a tough thing for me to handle. And so that's when I broke out that nymph rig and, you know, started banging them up a little bit. It was good. And, I, you know, this is this is a good learning experience for me. I'm going to fish again in the morning and I went and bought some flies and some different flies that I can use as dries. Not necessarily dries, but more emerging flies that I'm going to try to fish like a dry fly and see what happens Um, but I think a lot of these fish you know good buddy of mine says fish can't look down so these flies were moving up in the column and they'd eat them you know I didn't catch a lot of fish on the bottom I caught a lot of them on the rise and you know short nymph rigs are pulling it up and you'd catch fish And so I'm going to try to fish some different techniques tomorrow where I'll actually fish a bug that's sitting just below the column behind a dry fly and kind of see how that goes. It'll be interesting. Um, I mean, I, I had a blast today watching fish in the morning, you know, it got, it got difficult in the afternoon once the beta started coming off, but in the morning, it was really good for midges they were definitely eating midges on top they weren't eating them as emergers they were eating them on top and so that rs2 you know greased up was really crushing it i got a couple rs2s with some foam on them where uh they'll float a little bit better and i'll grease them up and kind of see what happens there um it'll be it'll be entertaining for sure but you know, I just want to give you guys an update. This is this is a good good trip for me. Um, checking out some some river that I used to fish when I was a kid, and just don't know a ton about anymore, and just learning about it, and just experiencing it, and camping in the back of the truck, and you know, I'm, shout out to a sportsman sportsman's little bar here and they got a badass green chili bacon cheeseburger that will blow your socks off um go drink a couple beers there and hang out and um talk to a couple good guides there and bs for a while and it is it's good shit i mean this place is an unbelievable fishery that you can fish 10 months out of the year and it's absolutely insane um I don't want to blow this place up too much. I mean, tons of people know about it, but great fishery, great time. Um, it's definitely one of those you got to work for 
and you gotta you gotta pick your battles and you know is you gotta hunt you gotta hunt for fish it's not especially peasant fishing like i'm doing you know if you're walking you gotta you gotta hunt and pick your battles you're not gonna you're not gonna catch every fish in the river you never will but you're not gonna have one of those days that was unreal it's <laughs> it's funny i was talking to a guy in the bar we we're you know bsing just talking about different different shit and we t- heard these uh heard these other guys that weren't guides um or I think this guy would have known them. If they go, well, I caught 24 fish in two hours. And this guy starts cracking up. He goes, you hear that guy? He got 24 fish in, in two hours. And I looked at him and I go, I'm not that good. I'm not catching that many fish. You know, and it's probably a bunch of bullshit, if I had to guess. Because I... uh I fished a lot of water today, and I didn't see a ton of people catching fish. Not to say there wasn't a lot of people out there catching fish, but the number of people I saw and the number of boats and everything, like, I didn't see a ton of people catching fish. And I was out there before anybody. There was nobody on the water when I showed up. Um, So I do find it hard to believe, but, you know, that's fishing. Everyone's going to bullshit you. Everyone's going to try to chap your ass about how many fish they caught. Um, and this guy knew it that I was talking to. He knew that guy didn't catch 24 fish in two hours. Because he floated then. He knew he didn't catch fish in 24 fish in two hours. But that's the way it goes. I mean, it's a learning curve. And that's why we're all here. I mean, I've, I've, I learned a ton today. And I hope to learn a lot more tomorrow. And just, you know, progress as a fisherman as a guide, as a steward, as, you know, conservationist, all that. I mean, the only thing you can do is continue to learn and continue to grow and be better and be the best. And, you know, whether it's for your own reasons or not, um, I'm this trip for me is for my own reasons to learn and grow as a person, not only as a fisherman but a person. This is a big trip for me trying to learn and just grow and so i appreciate everybody for listening i appreciate time everybody spends to go listen to this podcast because it's not a normal podcast and it's you know something i wanted to do and just express some feelings so this is this is one of those podcasts where just kind of expressing some feelings and hopefully teaching some things um and getting down to my roots here going back to uh some family history i mean my dad used to come here and fish and he grew up on this river and i want to do the same this good river and just go explore go learn go learn about different fisheries because the more you can learn about every fishery the better angler you'll be try new stuff try different fisheries and progress because you get stuck in one fishery and you know pardon my language but you're fucked because you're not going to learn anything you know you might learn a ton about that fishery which is great 
But if you can add everything together, if you can add each fishery up, you know, the more fisheries you can go to and explore and fish and then add everything up, you're going to be a force to be reckoned with. That's where I want to head. So thanks, guys, for listening. This is a solo trip to the San Juan, the guided trip. Cameron Rhodes um, on Instagram at the cam at Cameron Rhodes at the guided trip. Email us the guided trip at gmail.com. Um, let us know your thoughts. Appreciate it. Um, thanks for listening, guys.